Good evening, everybody. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Our reading tonight comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. Mark 16, verses 1 to 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Amen. Good to have Pastor Josh from Hertford Street bringing the word tonight. Isn't that good? Yeah, give him a big round of applause and make him feel embarrassed as he comes up here. Because he didn't know I was going to do that. and He doesn't like me doing that, but I did it anyway. Welcome, Josh. I believe we're going to watch a video before I get started, so turn your eyes to the screen. Hello, my name is Eliana Anderson. My name is Elysia Anderson. Once upon a time, there was a bunny. No. <laughs> One day, Jesus went to Jerusalem on his donkey. They all gathered um, twigs and they waved them in the air. They threw their coats on the on the ground. Hosanna, Hosanna. It's the Son of God. Then on the last night of with his friends, he had a meal with them. They ate the Last Supper. He said that to remember him every time they had that supper. He went to the garden to pray. Yes, it's family. Yes, But the disciples fell asleep with the donkey. After Jesus prayed, Mingars took them away. So dogs were bad. Jesus said that he was God's son. They didn't like it at all. The people got so mad that they put Jesus on a cross. His mom and his friends were very sad because they loved him. He died because he wanted to forgive our sins. They brought him off the cross to a cave that had a stone so he couldn't get out. Saturday, they were all sad and they were all scared. 
on a Sunday, they went to look and they saw he was not in there anymore. The tomb was empty. An angel told them that Jesus has risen from the dead. The women came running to the disciples to tell them, but they would not believe them. Jesus came in the room. They were all surprised and they were all happy. Since they were so happy, they had a month together. After they had so much fun, Jesus went onto a top of a hill and he waved goodbye all to his friends. He said, I will come back someday. While I'm gone, tell everybody about me. And he went up to heaven. The disciples, they told everybody that Jesus would always forgive them. Now I know that he loves me and my little sister Alicia and my mom and my dad and he loves everybody. That's why me and my sister love to dress up and go to church and be pretty as we celebrate Easter. By celebrating, we say to Jesus, thank you and we love you. It's a cute little video about the story of Easter. It's a great night to come to God's Word. It's great to be back at Sunnybank as we celebrate this great truth that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. If you don't know me, uh, my name is Josh. I'm a pastor here at Sunnybank, but uh, some people didn't like me, so they pushed me over to Hertford Street Baptist Church over at Upper Mount Gravatt. In fact, I'm living the dream over there. It's a small fellowship. We meet at 9 a.m. on Sundays, Uh, so please come if you're free. It's a night service here, morning service. You guys should be free, so 9 a.m. on Sundays. Please come and visit if you're free. It's a great encouragement for you guys to come and have a look and see what's going on there. But we're here tonight. Uh, We're here to reflect on Jesus and his rising into new life. And if you were here on Good Friday, uh, we reflected on Jesus on the cross, taking on God's judgment for you and for me, dying on the cross as a ransom for many. But that's not the end of the story as we have a look at Mark 16 tonight. So let's pray as we come to God's word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we consider the events of your rising again, speak to us through your word, by your spirit. Help us to consider the events of the cross in a way that brings glory to you, that convicts us afresh of your saving work that today and that every day in our lives will be lived in light of your sacrificial death and your rising into new life. Give us ears to hear, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we Aussies, we love a great scandal, don't we? Uh, There's been one brewing in the news over the past week about a certain ball tampering, the Australian cricket team, sandpaper, tape, whatever you want to call it, shoved down some guy's pants and clear video evidence, admissions of cheating even. What a scandal, what an uproar. It's hogging our news headlines and social media even this morning, a week and a bit later, it's second on the ABC news feed. And the massive suspensions have been given out the disbelief that our cricket team, our beloved green and gold, could resort to cheating. How 
un-Australian is that? Well, tonight uh, we look at an even greater scandal, a scandal that's been around for almost 2,000 years. It's not about a bit of tape, but it's about someone who was clearly dead, rising again into new life. A scandal that does have the right to hog all the news headlines, to be examined, to be thought about, a scandal that each and every one of us ought to raise our eyebrows to at the very least. A dead man rising from the dead. What's all this business about Jesus rising again? What does it mean for you and me in the 21st century? Well, as we look at the resurrection accounts from the Gospel of Mark, must be known that each Gospel writer, um, each of the four accounts, tells the same story of Jesus rising again. But each Gospel account, when you read it, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, uh, tells uh, a slightly different emphasis, a slightly different application account for us to read. And so far, if you go flick back in Mark's Gospel, it's painted Jesus as the figure of the Son of Man, the suffering king, the innocent, the righteous sufferer, dying as a ransom for many. And that's where Mark 15 ends. This Jesus guy, he's dead and buried. And the question in Mark remains, is this the end of the road for the Son of Man? Or is there more to this guy? Was his mission to save sinners complete or a failure? And that's where we come to tonight as we look at these eight short verses, a much smaller, a rather abrupt account uh, to end of the gospel compared to the others. And tonight we're going to look at three points that Mark is going to take his readers through. And the first point I've titled, Reality. Imagine if you walked into your room and things just aren't as they usually are. Some things are misplaced, other things are missing. I've got an office down at Hertford Street at the back. A couple weeks ago, I walked in one morning to find my bookshelf in a complete mess. A book on Luke was under Romans. Books on 2 Corinthians were before 1 Corinthians. James and John books were all mixed up. Even a commentary of Acts was found in my Old Testament pile. And this really messed around with my OCD. Because all my books, you see, they were in order. Old Testament, New Testament. Series 1, Series 2, Series 3, even thicker books to thinner books. And this reality was really mad for me. They'd all been messed up. And the first thing we find in Mark 16 is the reality of what's happening here, the facts of the situation, the evidence, two of them, in fact. And the first we read in verse 1, reading from the ESV, uh, the exceedingly superior version. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. First reality, Jesus was really dead. Now there's lots of theories that you might come across that say that he just faked it or something else, but we're shown in verse one what the women were doing. Right after the Sabbath was over, about 6 p.m. Saturday night, sundown, they're heading down to their local coals to buy spices, oils. You see, they were preparing to anoint the body of Jesus, to cover the stench of decay, to pay respect and to honour 
the dead body of Jesus. Now the second reality, as we read on, the tomb is open and empty, in fact, verses 2 to 4. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. So it's the next day. It's Sunday morning now, just after sunrise. These women, they went out to the tomb. They were probably so caught up in emotion of the situation that they forgot to think about how to move the stone. And it must be said, uh, just a side note, that the whole concept of women being mentioned here is really strange for a first century account. You see, the testimony of a woman was worth almost nothing in a legal court back then. So if this story was really all made up, women would probably have been the last choice of witnesses to fabricate. But they are mentioned here, because that's just how it went down. Just another little detail pointing to the reality that the resurrection story is indeed true. Now, coming back to this stone uh, that they have to move, it wasn't a really simple task. It was a four-ton piece of rock. It was set into a groove on the hillside, just like in the video. Uh, the Romans, they officially sealed the tomb, kind of like a seal in packaging to show that it hasn't been opened yet. And as the women, they got to the hillside, they looked up, it's setting up this dramatic discovery and something the women, they weren't expecting. The stone had already been moved. The tomb was open to see, inviting the women in, come and see, come and look at this tomb, implying that the tomb really was empty. The body of Jesus isn't here. We often hear that Christianity, uh, following Jesus, is all about a blind faith. I watched a movie last week uh, that had a line that said, knowledge is one thing, but faith is another. It's completely divorcing the two. But here in Mark, we see God's word putting forward realities, hard evidences, facts for us to grapple with, knowledge leading to faith. And see here these two realities in Mark 16. Jesus was really dead, but now the tomb is open and empty. And at this point, uh, we've got some leads, some facts, but we're still not completely sure what's happened. Maybe Jesus did prize open. He faked it all. He prized the tomb open somehow, which is probably a big cop-out to the Roman seal, the guard who's supposedly watching over the tomb, and the certain four-ton stone they have to get rid of. Maybe the women, they went to the wrong tomb. You know, they followed Apple Maps and got lost, got to the wrong tomb. Or maybe Jesus' body was stolen by the Jews or the Romans. But you think there'd be some evidence showing that this great plan they concocted was a real success. There are many other theories. But back to my messy shelf, my Shelfgate incident. Uh, I found a note on my desk that morning, a word. It proclaimed, it told me exactly what happened and who caused this terrible thing. And likewise here, after the realities are spelled out, we find a word, a revelation to explain exactly what's happening here. Verse 5 and 6. 
and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You see, Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he is risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now, it's pretty random. Some little kid, he's in the tomb. Uh, Some people say this kid is the same young man at the end of Mark 14. But looking at the context, what he's wearing, what he says, even where he's sitting on the right hand, and what all the other gospel accounts say, it's pretty clear that this young man is an angel of God, a messenger, speaking the words of God, divine revelation to the women. And this man, this angel, this messenger, reveals what's taken place here. Firstly, he says, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus. This man, this guy from Nazareth, is emphasizing his humanity. He was really a man, a human, fully God and fully man. Secondly, he was crucified. Jesus really did die at the cross. It really happened. And now we come to the revelation. The reason why the tomb is empty is that Jesus, the man, the one who died, The revelation here, he has risen. He's not here. In fact, he's alive. Death didn't taste victory. Jesus is really God. And his mission to die as a ransom for many is complete in his rising again. See, that's the revelation of Easter Sunday. Jesus has risen. He's alive and we should rejoice we should praise God for all this and this also has a massive impact on how we live and we'll talk about that in a few seconds and the angel underlines this he says look at the tomb look at the place where they laid him it's empty he's gone and the way to make sense of this is God's revelation God's declaration about Jesus that he is risen indeed. One scholar says, these abundant historical references leave us with little reasonable doubt that Jesus lived and died. The more interesting question, which goes beyond history and objective fact, is whether Jesus died and lived. And Mark underlines here in his gospel, Jesus died and now He has risen. So we've seen the reality, the facts. We've also heard the revelation, how to make sense of it all. And the final point tonight is our response. You see, when something big happens, everyone has a response. Everyone has something to say. You talk to any sports fan about the cricket suspensions right now, or almost any real Aussie, any newspaper, look on social media and you'll get... A response, they'll say, too harsh, too lenient, overreaction, the right response. And the resurrection of Jesus is the biggest claim in all of history. And it certainly demands a response. And that's how Mark's gospel abruptly ends here in verse 7 and 8, if you have a look. He says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you'll see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. 
you see the angel goes on. He continues on. He tells the women, go and tell the others. Jesus will be at Galilee, just like he told you before, Mark 14, 28. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. The angel says, go and see him. And you look at the other gospel accounts, other writings circulating around, they confirm Jesus appearing to the disciples in Galilee. So the angels say, go and tell. But the women we read here, they run off. They're scared. And they're amazed and afraid. What a weird ending to Mark's gospel. If you have a Bible, uh, you'll see verses 9 to 20 written uh, with a footnote and that the um, earliest manuscripts didn't have verse 9 to 20. And it was probably added by a scribe in the second or third century to kind of tidy up this abrupt ending. On the screen, you'll see uh, the most well-regarded scrolls uh, ending with verse 8 and a gap before Luke begins on the next column. And you'll see where verses 9 and 20 should be. Now, if you want more information about this, please uh, talk to me after service, talk to Brendan. I'm sure he's looked at it. Uh, but just be calm that there's no doctrine being questioned uh, by verses 9 to 20. But if we do take verse 8 at the, as the right ending in Mark's gospel, you've got to ask, why does Mark end like this? Well, I think that this ending is actually pretty consistent with Mark's writings. You see, in Mark, uh, if you read it, go through it, after many of Jesus' divine activities, whether they be miracles, healings, prophecies, the transfiguration, the response that's following on with the onlookers is always astonishment, amazement, and fear. And the account of the tomb, of the empty tomb, is likewise and even more so gobsmacking, soul-shaking, and overwhelming. And even though Jesus says this is exactly how it will go down, it's a complete shock and surprise to the women confronted with this reality and this revelation that Jesus actually does rise from the dead, and I don't really blame them. So Mark ends with this big claim in history. Mark ends with the response of these women. For his readers in the first century, persecuted Christians, marginalized in society, beginning to lose hold and grip of the good news of Jesus. And Mark wants his readers to reflect on the good news, to remind them that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the suffering servant. Jesus did die as a ransom for our sins. And Jesus is indeed risen into new life. And all this did indeed happen, mission complete. And Mark's reminding them of all this for them to consider their response to Jesus. And likewise, tonight, God wants us to come here, not just to hear, uh, not just to be reminded of the resurrection of Jesus, but he wants us to respond to him, to respond to the good news of Jesus rising again. John Piper says, the, the fact that Jesus is raised stands forever at the height of this story, waiting for us to respond, giving us a chance to say something. And one way or another, 
We are always saying something, whether we're compelled to embrace the gospel or disregard it. Even the refusal to comment is, of course, a kind of comment nonetheless. So tonight, what do you make of this good news of Jesus? His death, taking on your sin, my sin, the sins of the world, our rebellion against the creator God, and his rising again, mission complete, death defeated, new life secured. Tonight, we've sung about this, we've gathered around the Lord's table remembering this, and now we're reminded from God's word of the hope that we have in Jesus. But the key question remains for each of us, whether this is your first time here or your hundredth time here, what do you make of all this? How will you respond to the, re- to the resurrection of Jesus? Just to highlight how significant this question is, an atheist and agnostic, he was asked, what is the bottom line when it comes, when it comes to Christianity? And I think his response is on the money. He said, that's easy. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if the resurrection is true, then so are a number of other things. Firstly, there is a God. Second, Jesus is that God. Third, the Bible is true. Fourth, heaven and hell are real. And lastly, Jesus makes a difference whether you go to one or the other. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is the centerpiece, the linchpin, the cornerstone of what we believe. It's where people move from death to life, from rebels to forgiven and righteous, from lost to being found in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And the end of Mark highlights this. Mark's asking, how will you respond to all of this? Another commentator says, In recounting Jesus' resurrection, Mark wants to communicate that the king has come, but he is not here, so everything must change. Seek him, look for him, tell others about him, tremble, but don't be alarmed. All is just as he told you. So how do you respond to this Jesus rising again thing? Will you just tip your hat to it tonight? and keep living your own life without God tomorrow? Is that your response to Jesus rising again? Well, let me plead with you tonight. Jesus makes the difference whether you're right with God or not. So seek Jesus. Come to Jesus. Find forgiveness of your sins in Jesus and experience new life by the power of his resurrection. Maybe you want to find out more. Well, what are the next steps for you? as you seek and look for Jesus? Do you need to do business with God? Do you need to sit under his word and get to know Jesus? Do you need to deal with some of the barriers that you have against coming to God? Well, let me suggest to you, don't put it off for another week, another year. Do business with Jesus today because life and death is in the balance. Or maybe tonight, most of you here, you're basking in the presence of the risen Lord. You're celebrating new life found in Jesus and you're so grateful and thankful to God for a saving work in your life. Well, Mark's gospel will tell you two things. Firstly, he'll say, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus, not just on Sundays, not just at church, 
but every day when you wake up in the morning, when you're frustrated at work, doing the chores at home, every single word and deed, hold on to Jesus. As you live your lives, you look out there in this increasingly pagan world, just like the first readers of Mark, in a society where Christianity is getting pushed closer and closer to the edge. Jesus wants you to follow him unashamedly, to count the cost. And the cost, it might be dollars, it might be comfort, it might be dealing with ungodly influences in your life, family, friends, tradition, dealing with status. It might even be your own ego that's in the way. Jesus says, count the cost. Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow Jesus. Just like the song that we sung before, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. What great words. And Mark's gospel, secondly, would say, tell others. Tell others about this life-changing message, this life-or-death gospel. Just like the women were told in Mark, go and tell. Mark says, God says, tell the gospel. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your workmates, tell those that you bump into and get to share your life with. Tell them that Jesus has risen, that God has made a way for sinners to come and to be forgiven, for, for their future to move from death to new life, and it's all through the work of Jesus on the cross. So how will you live in response to Jesus? Tonight, how will you live in response to a saving work for you, his sacrificial death and his rising again? See, Jesus really was dead, but the tomb is now empty. Jesus is risen and we all need to respond one way or another whether it be ignoring the resurrection being found indifferent to the risen lord jesus maybe interested to find out more or by saying i believe jesus really did rise again and i will live in light of the saving work of our risen lord and savior jesus the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. So as we close, I encourage you to consider your response to this truth that Jesus is risen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day to marvel at the wonderful truth of new life found in Jesus rising again that death could not hold him, that the power of sin has been broken, and that we are assured of forgiveness and eternal life in Christ. Lord, we thank you right now that Jesus is at your right hand. He's interceding on our behalf of those who trust him for new life. And Lord, we know that one day Jesus will come again to lead us, your people, into a new creation for eternity. Please help us, Lord, to let Jesus' death and resurrection influence our whole entire lives. Help us by your Spirit to respond by following Jesus unashamedly. And Lord, give us a burden and a passion and a desire to tell others about your saving message, your great love for all of us shown in Christ. 
Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.